Game time was last week. This week, it's philosophy on Better Buddies. And welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us tonight, it's James. Hello. Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week. Is free will real or just an illusion? <laughs> Dang. Good question. And how, mm. what's your answer? I think it's I think it's real. Like, I think for all intents and purposes. Um, I do believe that there's like a natural flow to the way that life is. Like I, I don't believe in predestination, but I do believe that things do align in certain ways. I think there are regular patterns to life. Um, and I think there's like plenty of evidence to support that, but I do think you can make choices that divert and yeah, I don't know. So you think it's possible, um, even though our brains are essentially just a chem- bunch of chemical responses, and we are we have trained psychological responses to stimuli that we can divert from those stimuli and overcome that to make an active choice. Yeah, I do. I I, I think that like there is something about us being a composite of many different elements that there's something that's made between in the space that exists between all those different areas that can determine and choose for itself. Um, I think if we didn't have that capacity in some way, like I don't think we would be where we are today. Mm, I don't know. Would if, if free will was just an illusion, would we be able to tell? Mm, I mean, like, I think it'd be impossible for us to know for certain if it was an illusion, because we would believe we'd made the choice, and then if we decide, well, no, it's not an illusion because this, that, but we continue on acting and doing as we would have done anyways, at what point is it kind of like, oh, like, can we break the illusion if it is an illusion? Because if we do, if we do come to believe that it is all predetermined, there is no free will, and we are just the chemical responses, or fate, or God, or what have you, we'd really, like, who, how would we believe us? Like scientists today, are like, oh, we did this study on uh, mice, and it turns out, in fact, they cannot choose; it is chosen for them, and thus we are chosen for us. So, like. It's not my fault I'm published on this paper. I was forced to by fate. There's a, there, no, and that, there's a, there's a valid argument for that. There's like a fair, like the idea that you, you had no choice to be born as, as far as you can remember. So there is an element of like a determined quality to your life. But I also think that there are plenty of times where like, you you have deviated or you you have chosen to do something 
differently than you have before. Um, like we may have established patterns, but we have a clear, like marked ability to deviate from them. And I think that that at least shows some capacity for change. I think there's an argument to be made that we don't exercise free will as often as we think we do, but I do think we have it. Yeah, I think we have free will. I just had to play devil's advocate. Oh yeah, because no, I'm totally no, I get the, it. like part of the reason I think we do have free will mm-hmm. is reality is so um subjective to our actions upon it um even with say your own like oh like i this stimulus made me do this like that's great but quantum mechanics tells us that we affect time and omnidirectionally therefore by acting in that way you had to create that stimulus in the past to act upon you to have that reaction your your you taking your hand and moving it to the right in order for your hand to move to the right it had to be where it was therefore by having it on the right hand side like moving it to the right now in the past it forced you to move your hand or for sorry it forced your hand to be in the previous location because it was now in the right so like if you're if we're going to say there is no free will how can you claim where that direction is coming from when uh, the cause and effect is omnidirectional? What caused what effect? What was the effect and what was the cause when everything is the cause and everything is the effect? Therefore, it is all happening simultaneously and nothing can be truly uh, controlled. Well said, RJ. Well said. I, I, I think that honestly raises like an excellent point that like, um the the idea of like oh it's an illusion it's assuming that we know that we understand like that would be that would mean that we i think to make that claim you would have to first like make the claim that we fully understand what free will is which means in some way we understand like our completely objective place in the universe in existence and therefore we know what the opposite of that true pure free will is and we definitively well do not have like do not have it. you know what i mean like I, I i think it depends on the direction you're taking and where you're arguing it from there's the philosophical side of it that's more religious aspects yeah. uh like oh a deity or fate or god or what the flying spaghetti monster controls all the like has a pl- uh an ineffable plan and everyone's just following the ineffable plan versus the physical sciences side of it where it's, oh, uh, there's sentience is a little bit of a spectrum. We are at the top end of sentience. We are fully aware of who we are. We pass the mirror test. We think about our own existence and why we exist and our place in the universe. Uh, and from there down, you have animals that can use tools, animals that have social relationships, animals that recognize themselves in a mirror. And recognize that that is in fact them and not a different member of their species. All the way down to, is dumb, is chipmunk, go run, eat nut. Like, and from there, those 
creatures do not would you, we would not say they have free will in that they do not consciously alter the way they exert themselves on reality in response to their own personal decision on what the stimuli in front of them requires. They uh, humans can actively harm themselves in response to stimuli or actively choose to make good choices that help themselves. Even in a lack of stimuli, a human can do either one. A chipmunk or any other animal will only gnaw its, cell, gnaw its own leg off to get out of a bear trap. Yeah. Whereas we we possess like a... So like, I... if, if we're coming from this... So like, the animals just follow chemical reactions in their brains in response to stimuli, their instincts, and... If we claim free, if we claim there is no free will, then that means humans are just following those same chemical reactions we have in our brain, in response to external stimuli. But if we are doing that, there's no way we pierce the illusion. Wait, say it one more time. Because if we're coming from the science side of it, and we're just these chemical reactions that occur in our brain, we'd never pierce the free will illusion because even though we'd find, let's like say we find the exact chemical process. And be like, okay, cool, uh, but we can't say for certain because it's too, uh, too un, too vast, too wide an array of options. So we can't. Well, like, we'd always, we'd still have it sitting there. Of maybe it's free will. We're like ninety nine percent certain it's chemicals, but maybe we're wrong. Who's to say? To like, um. You know, like, there's a strong case to be made that in a lot of religions, like, you know, the Abrahamic one, at least, that God is really just sort of, um, I mean, this is very reductive. So this isn't like the only thing that like God in those, in like the Bible is supposed to be, but one of the things God could stand for is kind of that that unknown force that that just that part of life that we're never going to know about because again, as far as we know, like we didn't ask to be here. There are things that are going on that like we're never going to understand that we can like investigate, but we just won't know. So we have to make sort of like a piece, and with that comes like a little bit of uh, humility because it's like human beings have a tendency to want to kind of like bring everything under our control or, or, or organize it to a degree. And sometimes we overstep that bound and like that idea is supposed to consistently remind us that there is something intangible that's beyond any of us that exists that just kind of is there. It's just this, it's Zen. There's no other word for it, which is why we came up, why they came up with the word, you know, God. And again, this is reductive, but um, it's it's just, yeah. Did you say Zen? Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah. It's it's like God, Zen, Tao. Um, I know that the, the the Hindus have a word for it and the Buddhists, but I'm forgetting. Um, and it, it's just kind of like uh, there. So this is something that like even before the advent of like physical sciences that human beings were like able to interpret and kind of understand that like 
though there may be this force out there that in a way is everywhere it's kind of like you were saying it's like cause and effect it's kind of everywhere um and nowhere like there's still a capacity and a responsibility that human beings have for their own behavior and at the same time like because of that there's uh sometimes a necessity for us to understand where that responsibility begins and ends like where we truly have the ability to say like this is what i'm going to do and this is how i'm going to do it and i have to take responsibility for this versus like this like i'm trying to override something um bigger than myself because of like x y and z or like you were kind of giving with like the omnidirectional like the quantum mechanics principle like trying to control something like that would be insane because you're literally trying to control something at every possible point forever and it, that's just like a ludicrous thing to try and do it's incredibly egotistical and um like I think that's really funny because it's paradoxical where it's like, because we have such a lack of control, it's, it's ironically a liberating feeling because it means that we can begin to define, like define the limitations of our own lives. And then like within those limitations, like we find almost like an infinite capacity for freedom um, and for choice. I think you're right on the money, right? Like, especially going back to like where personal responsibility stops and starts and ends. Like it's one of the things that really like I never jived with the like predeterminationists and like some of the mm-hmm. uh, uh, offshoots of Christianity where it's like, Oh, everything is completely predetermined. And it's like, hang on, wait a minute. If it's all predetermined, every single bit of it, that means it's predetermined that awful things happen to, you know, balance out the good things in life. But it also means it's predetermined that certain people will never get caught for murder. It's predetermined that some people are just going to suffer horrible lives. And it's predetermined who's getting into heaven. And you're convinced you're one of them. Yeah. Based on nothing. <laughs> so. Right. Right. And it's always like, it's always like, or they might even, someone like that might, you know, because sometimes when you run into people with those types of beliefs, whether it is like, it, it could be religious, it could be scientific, it could be political, like that kind of attitude tends to rear its head in a lot of places. And like sometimes, you know, someone, for instance, with that religious belief might be like, no, I don't think I'm going to heaven at all. But like, there's a weird smugness sometimes because it's like, they're so, just happy to be to be right, right? Like they're yeah. just happy that they're, you know. Which then the question comes to, of like, oh, so you're going to hell? Like you're cool yeah. with going to eternal damnation? Eternal keyword on that, eternal. Yeah. Which, like, if you're going to hell, why would I believe what you say? If, if you're, you're going, going to hell, heaven, yeah. Also, if you're going to hell, why <laughs> the fuck are you bothering to try and be good? If you know yeah. for a fact you're going to hell, at least earn the ticket. No, I I just I <laughs> I just think like I think a lot of that stuff is sort of like um I think you can look at it like 
we can literally take it from a like i mean a quite literal literal physical science standpoint where it's like if you think about like your body right you have a limited form you can't you can't do everything like you can't as far as i know like you can't fly you can't walk through Fuck walls you, I'm Superman. Like, i i rj i believe in you actually <laughs> yeah, the, the, the two superpowers you listed off i'm actually martian manhunter yeah that's pretty cool yeah one of the most forgotten Justice League members. Well, okay. Then everyone but RJ, as far as I'm aware, <laughs> you can't fly. You can't walk through walls. Like, you know, you have limitations to your form. But with the form that you have, you can do so much. Like, it, there's a lot that is possible. And, like, I think sometimes free will gets almost... um conflated with this idea of like an infinity of ability which i do believe in some way exists but like i don't i do get kind of what i'm saying where it's like there there are limitations but like again within those limitations i'm just repeating what i said before but yeah the i think the physical body like is just literally living proof of like that statement um where the the truth is I, I think it's kind of the reality situation is literally just written up in, in front of you in the mirror. Better buddies has discovered free will. Yeah. You know what? Thank us later. We don't need money or fame or I'm sure this is a new concept to everyone on the planet, but yeah, you can make your I don't own need choices. That. Yep. We yep. empower you to do this. Yep. We're the first people to say it. We're the biggest no, advocates no. for the underrepresented groups of the world as we empower you to make your own decisions these two white yep, men no 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 accolades necessary no no ticker tape parade st- no ticker tape parade no statues i don't need a no uh, nobel peace prize i need a moody tired looking girlfriend i don't want that at all um just you know just i'm fine um i am content with the gravity of my discovery and now i'm off to my study to sit alone sit and Entirely. think it, yep what what else is there to do in this life now that we've solved free will our next step is to sit and think and come up with what the next problem is that exactly. the generation we after have, us can solve it we have to invent a problem put that into action and then and then the other people can solve it well it's for the next I generation like to have something to solve james you know we can't leave them empty-handed That's we have true. to give them a challenge to overcome that they might prove their mettle and join yes, us in the or, Elysian fields. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. If you're cool enough, all right. Some timeshare though. There are folks, all right. We're gonna be there full time. Um, we'll like come up with party. a problem. It's like a house I'd like party. to think it's. I'd like to think it's kind of like. Uh, I'd like to think it's like a vast country village party. where everyone has their own estate. Nah, man. Uh, block party. Everybody's just hanging out, chilling, having a great time. Go house to house. Is what it is. Oh, uh, I, I I like it if the block party was like, like if I had my own house and then the block party, I could like walk down the road to go to the block party. That that would be that would you're, be you're ideal. Putting physical constraints on a mind space, like the the Elysian Fields are a physical space. Shush. At least they're de- they're depicted as one. Quiet you. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I'm just an underworld ghost. Ooh, spooky. Ah. I dragged you up out of Hades to record a podcast. 
Yeah, every 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 week. It's it's good to be here. You know, I got to I have some sweet tart surface. No, well, you. I, it doesn't matter for me. I'm already dead. I you mean, can't I suppose, but like, if I look back while we're walking out, you go back anyways. So if I look yeah. back, you leave early. Yeah, but then I just go back to paradise, basically. So it's not it's not the worst place to get recalled back to. You know what I mean? Um, and I I like to think that like when the ghosts who live in the Elysian fields, like I don't think they have to like go through the the underworld TSA, you know, I think, I think do. they got, you think so? They have to get oh, back yeah. in line with all the souls. Well, why do you think, I mean, security really got stepped up after all those Greek myths were like Hercules and the fucking kid with the pan flute. They were like, Hey, Hades, give us our, give us our loved ones back. And Hades is like, uh, go do this thing for me. Can you run an errand? Go get my dog food. And then they did. And he's like, ah, oh, fuck. No, I actually have to follow through. All right. Bye. So you think like, Wait, why would that tighten up security, though? Because they weren't supposed to do it. He figured he'd, they'd just fuck off on the, like, errand oh. and never come back. You think he went the pan flute, Orpheus? Yeah, Orpheus. But Orpheus had a liar. I don't fucking know, both. man. It's been a minute. Dang. I mean, where the fuck do you think a yeah. pan flute came from? Pan? Yeah. That's Greek myth. Yeah, yeah that's Greek. That's a that's a Greek dude. God, those books were actually pretty cool. There's a part of my roommate was watching the Disney series, and I watched a little bit with him. It kind of made me want to reread Hang those on. books. Is the entirety of your Greek myth knowledge from fucking Percy Jackson? It is not. No, Thank I was God. actually. I don't know if you uh, do. You remember when we were back in elementary school? I had my desk turned out because I had like thirteen books on Greek mythology in it. <laughs> nice yeah it was awesome um no I, I i used to read like a bunch of all these like little myth books when i when i went to the library when i was a kid so i had my i'm an educated man i mean i've been interested have? in educated things since i was a child all right i mean i have the ultimate encyclopedia of mythology so well, I remember Greek myths, and I can also quote the Fairly Odd Parents. So that's kind of the same thing. It is right. Yeah, I've got I've got both sides of of the educated mind: Greek mythology and early to mid two thousands Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network programming. It's the it new. Just myth- works. It's the new mythos. It is the new mythos. Yeah, SpongeBob is a cultural legend. That works. Fuck. That tracks. I'm. I don't like this joke anymore. What do you do? You, are you not a fan of SpongeBob? I really don't care that much. Oh, it annoys dude, me if I gotta, anything. Are you serious, dude? James, so, we gotta. I we, cannot tell you the last time I watched a full SpongeBob episode. We will sit down no. the next time. I'm. I, yes, we're gonna we watch will. some SpongeBob. No. Yes, we're gonna watch just a little bit, God, RJ. Just no. like one or two episodes. Yes. No. I guarantee you... This isn't how I want to celebrate Palentine's Day, James. RJ, it's some of the best animated... It's some of the best comedy that's put, put on American television. It's great. The fuck it has. It. Oh yeah, and also Happy Palentine's Day. Happy Palentine's Day. And for the rest of February, it's Palentine's Day here on Better Buddies. Because that's, that's the right. holiday we celebrate. It's a half month long. And we get an you extra can't... day this year. 
you can't go to bed until the day's over. We're right? going to stay so up gotta, the entire you, time. You gotta, if you're listening to this. Two full weeks. You gotta stay up or you don't care about your friends, all right? If you don't care about your friends, we're gonna find you, all right? And then we're gonna I don't know what we'll care. do. I don't have legal authority to do anything yet. My license is pending. But once, once it's approved. Once we're licensed up by the state. Once we're licensed by the state. Oh boy, we'll you better watch out. jurisdiction in the Midwest. Yes. Yes, the most critical part of the country. Partially unironically. You better watch out. We're going to be patrolling everywhere except Illinois. That place can fucking stay the way it is. Our next segment is Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Do you want to start, or should I? You can start. I feel like I've started a bunch. I'm going to start, then. Uh, the movie Argyle. Oh, the one with the cat? Yeah, the one with the cat. I caught it this weekend. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, it's by the same guy who did Kingsman the Secret Service. And... It's yeah. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Don't don't go in thinking it's gonna be your goddamn thinking movie for the year. It's it's not like unpredictable. It's not gonna be an out of nowhere twist. Like that's not the point of the movie. Don't try it. If anybody comes at me saying, "Oh, the movie was so fucking predictable," like yeah, shut the fuck up. It wasn't trying to be a M Night Shyamalan bullshit. It's a goddamn sp- fun movie. Spy movie. Just trying to have fun. But uh, yeah. It's about a spy book writer who gets embroiled in an international espionage situation. Uh, and she brings her cat with her everywhere. Uh, the cat's name is Alfie. And Argyle is the name of the spy that is the main, the main character in her spy book. Agent Argyle. Played by Henry Cavill. Who is also her subconscious. It gets uh, mixed up, right? Because she accidentally predicts like some stuff. Yes. That's uh, uh... she accident her book accidentally predicts a uh, ongoing spy uh, espionage situation, and both good guys and bad guys have kind of been watching her, needing her to finish her. Like it's not even just her published book; it's the one she's about to publish. She finishes it, and literally everybody's like, but you need to go, You need to write one more chapter, please. You you stopped at the point where we're all at. We need you to tell us what's next so we can predict it and, like, get ahead of the other guy. Is Argyle the name of her cat? No. The cat's yeah. name is Alfie. Oh, shit. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. You said that. Just the spy <laughs> is named Argyle. Who's the, who's the, because I remember I've seen like a few trailers for this. Who's the actual spy that helps her? Is it Sam Rockwell? It's not Sam Rockwell. It's Sam Rockwell. It is? Yeah. I love him so much. It took me a minute because I think the last movie I remember Sam Rockwell in was Iron Man 3. Oh my God, that's right. Yeah. And because of that, was it Iron Man 3 or Iron Man 2? Fuck, whatever Iron Man Sam Rockwell was in. Iron Man 2. Yes. Yeah. As Justin Hammer. Um, I thought he was a Wilson brother for a moment. Because there's yeah. there's one point in the movie where he does a wow, but it's very much an Owen Wilson like wow. That's great. I um, love him. But it's a good cast, well acted. 
Very fun. Uh, who's the main actress? I know who she is. Bryce Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard, yes. Bryce Dallas Howard does a great job with it. I, I like most of the st- things I see Bryce Dallas Howard in. She's she's pretty good. She's a yeah, great, I've, she makes a great blonde. I, I've only seen her in, uh, I guess she's Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man 3. Yep. Uh, and Jurassic then she's World. in Jurassic World. She's in this as the lead. She's um, in this, yeah. She, and then she's a she's a director too. Like she did some Mandalorian episode directing. Oh um, no way! Yeah. You know who her dad is, right? Yeah, uh, Ron Howard. Yeah, good old Ronnie H. Yeah. So like, I think it's, it's she's definitely not just working off that nepotism. Like she's fully in her own right good at what she does. Yeah, I think she's got. She's she's fun to watch. Um, and then Henry Cavill does a great job. Like he's he's naturally a spy. He uh, it's a shame he hasn't been more spy. Like there's three great examples, and only one of them he's actually a full on spy, and that's Man from Uncle. But Man from Uncle, yeah. he was great in. He's great in this one as Agent Argyle, but also as like her subconscious being like, uh, I'm just your subconscious. What do I know? Um. There's, like, a fight scene early on where Sam Rockwell's character is, like, fending off the bad guy spies, but every so often she'll, like, blink and it overlays Henry Cavill into the scene. That's sick. Um, and it's, like, Henry Cavill as the imagined superior, like, what we expect spies in spy movies to be doing, versus, like, when it cuts back to Sam Rockwell as the spy, he's, like, he's doing the stuff, but he's huffing, he's puffing, he's struggling a little bit. So oh. he's supposed to be kind of like, uh, is he supposed to be what, like CIA or something like that? Uh, they explained it in the movie. I don't want to give too much okay. away. Um, yeah. But he is like, he's supposed to be a good guy spy. Uh, is, there, is he kind of the, he's kind of like the, he's a little, uh, I want to say like out of shape, but he's kind of like, uh, I mean, he's realistic more so, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. They okay, try and yeah. take a realistic tone and feel for it. Like it's still a goddamn spy movie, so yeah, it's don't don't expect the fully realistic of ooh, you got you got knocked out and now you don't have a major concussion. But like he's definitely more like he can fight fifty dudes or twenty dudes or whatever it is, but it's a workout. Yeah. He's not goddamn Jack Reacher. Can we talk about just how awesome I know we're talking about but the man from uncle was so good that movie's awesome when did you get on this train what are you talking about i've i've sang the man from uncle's praises since i saw it when did you see it i saw it like years ago okay wow i've never heard it come up from like i just have no recollection of you coming up with that like i know calvin and i were nuts for it i've probably talked about it but i don't think like we've ever actually like talked talked about it so no that that makes sense so, uh, like, amazing casting. Um, uh, I love the trio. I think the action is great. Um, the villain, Good. wonderful. I want her to hit me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of the best scenes in Man from Uncle is when he does, like, the when he goes to get drinks with her. Yeah. And he's getting, he's falling unconscious, and he's like, <laughs> How'd you know I drink the scotch? And she's just like, I spiked all of them. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. I forget because she's kind of like she doesn't give a fuck. She's very like uh, she's brutal. Yeah, um, that the torturer, the scene where like he's torturing Henry Cavill and it's just insanely painful. Like they really sell that it's painful. But then the Russian comes in, gets him out of it. They strap in the torture, and they're like, "Hmm, we can't leave him." And then the sh- the short gets fixed, and the torture fries, and it just keeps going and burns it down. And they're like, oh, "Okay, well, I guess we'll just leave then." <laughs> I I thought their chemistry was great. Um, very like I actually this I do believe I talked about before. I read the one of the books like one of the pulp yeah. book, man from uncle books because i found it in uh in a secondhand store in our yeah. town and uh really fun read like i could see why people got like hooked on those very simple obviously but very fun and like i don't know i i feel like that movie did a great job at transferring the um the 1960s camp to like a modern kind of like gritty realistic like aesthetic while still keeping the spirit of like the original yeah. um kind of, of my favorite quips. line deliveries of all time the uh the actor who played mad-eye moody in harry potter mm-hmm. as the handler for uh henry cavill's character and he's just like he says the line of don't mistake my purposeful short-sightedness for blindness <laughs> i absolutely love that line that's it's wonderful. So, it's such a, especially as like somebody whose work involves supervising other people. It's like, it's so true. Don't, don't Matt, don't fuck around and find out. Like, <laughs> don't do it. Don't, just don't, don't do it. But yeah, uh, Argyle, stick around. Argyle. There is one post credit scene, uh, but it's like it comes pretty up pretty quick, and it's absolutely worth it. So, because you obviously, you brought up Kingsman, so it's very hard, I feel like, to compare because these are both, like, very much action movies, but they, I, it, they seem of different flavors. So, like, what, like, are they even comparable? Like, what would you say, I guess? like I think the fight scenes... Because people are going to compare it. The fight scenes mm-hmm. are very similar in the way they're set up, uh, but from very different points of view, right? In the Kingsman fight scenes, we're seeing it from the point of view of the Kingsman. And they had some great fight scenes with, like, the umbrellas and the fighting the way through the bunker in the first one, fighting the grappling hook arm claw guy in the second one, um, the, like, church fight scene. So they all have very good action scenes in that sense. And you get at least one of those near the end of the movie that's like kind of that more action-y sense but it's really interesting because the rest of it you don't see it from the perspective of the spy you see it from the perspective of the bystander and the victim so like just that weird this person has something they're trying to do and accomplish like it'll it'll focus on whatever the author is focusing on Bryce Dallas Howard and at least two of the fight scenes, it's, like, her processing what's going on. And by the time she's, like, kind of processed everything, uh, Sam Rockwell's character has come back in and been like, oh, yeah, let's move. Come on. And he's, like, destroyed the hallway full of soldiers. You find that, uh, what do you find that does to the movie? 
Like, uh, to you. For me, it, like, it really keeps the focus on the narrative of her, right? It's, it's a spy movie, but she's the main character. Um, and I, other than that, though, like, because it's by the same guy who directed Kingsman, like, it's very similar, right? It's mm-hmm. a different vein, but it's still a spy movie. It's still his flavor. So if you like those two movies, you'll probably like this movie. Is it an original story, or was this based off of something? I would have to check. I think it's an original story. Reason being is The Kingsman the Secret Service is a comic book movie. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, from what I understand, this is not specifically a based on anything uh, pre-written. Uh, directed as the cast, reclusive author, production. Script was written by Jason Fuchs. Fuchs, who did... Oh, interesting. He, uh... I don't think he worked on the original one. It was just directed by the same director. Yeah. So, hmm. the it was... It's, from what I can do out of the quick Wikipedia search, it's completely original. That's cool. Um, I don't see anything else. Usually, uh, but, if there is... Uh, Vaughn said it gave the... Uh, he describes it as his ode to 1980s action thrillers like Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. Uh, and... <laughs> um... When asked about casting Cavill, Vaughn said, I needed someone who was born to play Bond, which Henry is, and then nick him before Bond did. He plays a larger-than-life action hero with a wink. It's very different from Kingsman. Both, uh... So yeah, Argyle, that's my recommendation. What you got? I... I got... So... I've been listening to this podcast. I found them very recently. Um, so I'm writing something on financial stuff. It's kind of what I was unloading to you about before the podcast. And I have, I've been reading a lot of like these different financial reports and like all this other stuff. And it's pretty cool, but sometimes it can be kind of tough to understand like what's being said. And I have to look stuff up and like, a great way, obviously, to learn while you're like on the move because I can't really read a book as easily if I'm walking or doing exercise, although sometimes I do. But this is better. And it's not a bad show either. Um, it's called Market Maker by Amplify ME. And basically, just like uh, these people from a, I don't really know actually where this company is, like what they do. Um, I'm assuming that they're either a like a financial reporting um, service, like they're just doing financial news, or they may themselves be like some kind of financial services company. I'm not aware, but um, it's pretty cool. Uh, they do all these different podcasts, uh, shows like uh, every week, um, at least one a week about. Like, oh, this is some stuff that happened this week in, like, the finance world, like, in the world of banking or in the world of private equity, or this is a big merger acquisition that recently happened, stuff like that. 
And sometimes it's like, it's usually the, the host and then the, sometimes the founder of the company will join. Sometimes it's, uh, it's like this other guy that they kind of like talk to, um, who's also a member of the company. And I just find it very informative. I will say, I don't think it's, it's not exactly, um, entry level like you will probably listening to some of this stuff you will probably have to for the first few episodes google what they're talking about in certain cases because it's pretty it can be pretty inside baseball okay um but i do think it's really really cool and i do think that this is stuff that people should be aware of mainly just because it's like i i just find it really interesting um and uh, I'm trying to find an episode that I listened to that I really liked um, to give like an example. Um, but like a lot of that stuff I was talking to you about, RJ, about like private equity, I basically learned from this like this show that I was watching. And as well as like looking up like various articles and like all that other stuff. And the thing you need to know about these financial reports, like all this stuff that goes on. Um, it is initially really intimidating, but once you start learning the language, it gets a little bit easier and it is pretty cool to listen to some of the stuff that is, that is like kind of obscure. Yeah. And, you have like a really easy entry level way because it's one thing to read articles or papers. It's another thing to hear people talk about it because they'll usually like define sometimes what they're talking about as they're talking about it. Um, but yeah, I just think like, I think it's like a pretty cool little show. Um, it really helped me uh, start to understand like some of the stuff that's going on. Um and yeah, I would just, I would really suggest it because I thought it was just like really cool uh, and pretty fun. Hold on. I really do want to Uh-oh. find this one. Um, so sounds like, oh, excuse me. Sounds like it's a uh, good opportunity for people who haven't really learned much about the economy and markets and all those things. To kind of take that, like, self-exploration journey and get that knowledge, like, explore the topic for themselves while getting it from a source that knows what it's talking about to a degree. I would say very much so. Uh, absolutely. It's a, it's a great entry point. Yeah, here we go. Uh, wait, that's not it. Oh, fudge. Um, <laughs> stop. Um, okay, right the next... The, 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 ep- the episode I listened to was... Um, the next financial crisis question mark private equity leverage and it's by amplify me and they are um, the me is capitalized on the very end and uh, it's from september 27th of 2023 so it's just it's really interesting stuff um i wouldn't say again quite entry level but you are right where it's like someone who wants to start learning about this stuff a little more um because it's honestly i would compare it to like trying to pay attention to the weather um because 
it's good to know it'll change on you and it's good to keep aware of it i want to make it clear too like there is a part of me that deeply hates money like from uh from almost like a james wishes and we just traded and bartered well i i i think um yeah james i i have you a lot to agree with that one no no i'm not but i have a lot of opinions on money and how it's used and who uses it but the the thing i will say is like um one of the best ways to learn is just to do. Um, and you do yourself no good by sitting on the outside and crossing your arms and saying like, well, I'm not like, this is dumb and I don't like this. Um, the best thing you can do is try and get into it. You're going to find things if you start wading into finance, especially on a macro scale, you're going to find things that, will probably make you so angry that you'll want to quit yes um but i i I, yeah i read an article today where because a lot of tech companies are laying people off some the article was like some people are pointing at what miyamoto i think it was miyamoto whoever was in charge of nintendo at uh from like 2008 to 2022 or 2019 or whenever he died uh, what he did when the Wii U released and was an abysmal loss and Nintendo uh, Nintendo was taking a loss, he cut his salary in, by 50% so that they could retain employees and continue to pay their employees instead of having to make do layoffs. And people are pointing that and saying, why can't CEOs do that? And here's all the reasons why CEOs might not. And you read through the article and you're like, oh, you mean it's bullshit. They could and they choose not to. Yeah. That's basically it. And like, like one of the things the article came up with was like, oh, well, you know, if the company's not sure if it's going to bounce back and it's like, well, what company is planning to fail? Like Nintendo didn't know for certain the switch was going to be a runaway success, but they knew if they retained their talent and kept that positive work environment by not doing layoffs, they'd probably get better work out of their employees. And, thus and very few, very few people in this space have um, that mentality because a lot of people in the space are like, you're going to read stuff that is so supremely it's, it's numbers. People are reduced it, down to numbers. Yeah, like it's just with dollar signs like, in front of it. No, seriously, for real. It's like they they taught in some of these reports that you'll read. They they talk about people like they're just another resource, like oil or or electricity or yeah, currency. Like there, it does get down to a point where they're literally doing like human calculus, and they do it and they joke about it. Like it's it's it gets pretty selfish and disgusting. We can lay off thirty um, percent of our force, and that's only going to infect productivity for three weeks. It's the what? Let me. Uh, one of the examples I have, because I, like I said, I've been writing this thing, so I've been taking notes on a couple of papers I was reading. And one of these quotes is this, and this is from a financial services and research company that basically their job is to like help invest people's money, but they also do a lot of research into different markets and different sectors and basically say, like, this is what it looks like and this is what you should do. And they wrote a report in 2005 that was basically saying like 
the market that we see now, because in 2005, the economy was awesome. It's doing really great globally. Everything looks fantastic. Like there's some sections that are a little concerning, but like for the most part, we're doing awesome. So this is really what we should do. And this report was genuinely like, we believe that um, things are different this time in the sense that like the market is probably just going to keep going up. We're not going to see any major like busts anytime soon. Uh-oh. And they were talking about um, basically what happens, you know, if what, well, what happens if you're working, for instance, with a, a producer, someone who manufactures stuff for your company and, um, you know, you own this company that's doing very well because it's a platform company. It's a company that you don't produce anything. Your job is to link producers and consumers together. So that's basically like an Amazon. And yeah. the they're, you know, in this made up situation, they're trying to show why platform companies are actually really good and why this is a thing that you should definitely want to have and be because sometimes, for instance, if you're a producer, it's a very volatile industry. You know, like you may d- demand rises and falls. Like you're li- you if you produce ball bearings or chairs or whatever like you only produce one thing so if the demand for that falls and you have a surplus like you're kind of fucked so you might end up going to the platform company that you're dealing with and you're like hey i have five thousand extra chairs i don't really know what to do with that you know like could you like you're my producer maybe like or you're my platform company that i usually go to like maybe you I can sell them to you at a discount and you know, maybe the platform company is like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to. And the producer can be like, well, I mean, I know this isn't an ideal situation, but like, do you think you can help me out with that? Like, is it possible? Uh, you know, I'll make them really cheap. And the response that they give where they're like, this is why having a platform company is awesome is this. So from, They say, quoting like this imaginary platform company, they say to this like producer who's asking for help, they say, sorry, my friend, there are two kinds of problem in the capitalist world in which we live, mine and not mine. Your issues are the second kind of problem. Damn. Um, And this is 2005. So two years later, you had people with this exact same mentality who were like, could I please have $700 billion? <laughs> like, and we gave it to them. I promise I won't mess up like that ever again. <laughs> it's like, you've got to be fucking here, little me. Like, Here, you, Mr. CEO. Let us help you out. Yeah, let me just give you a fucking money bath. And to be fair, like, to, you know, yeah. to give credit where credit is due, a lot of, like, regular entrepreneurs and economists were like, the government they were like do not bail these fucking people out this is like what happens like let it all fucking fail if you don't it's not going to go away if anything you're just gonna to fail you're just gonna prolong the problem but what's interesting is in the report that i am talking about they extol the idea of a platform company that is like too big to fail like they give they almost give the example of like um you know, of a China situation where like, because China produces so much, they've almost become a global factory and therefore like a global platform 
company country where like if China went down and we we've seen recently what happens if that does happen, like other countries lose significantly. So there are there. It's true that there's nothing that's like too big to fail, but like there are some things that are so huge that their failure would be incredibly like a huge, like a critical blow to people all around the world. So letting them fail is like becomes like a very dangerous game to play because you're talking about the collapse of like a, a huge, a huge structure in not just like the economy, but like the global society as like a whole. Um, and it's just very interesting because we're living right now, like this report was basically talking about how platform companies are like the future. They're awesome. And again, this is before, this is, this is, this is before 2008, but this is also before the, the internet boom, like the second internet boom where like we had the rise of like, you know, YouTube and social media, all Amazon, like the huge rise of e-commerce and now most companies are platform companies. So in a way they were right. Like that is, it is an incredibly valuable model and it's exactly what everybody is doing. It's like, it, it's just create a platform. You don't manage anything. Like one of the most successful examples of this is like Spotify. Like they don't actually produce music. They don't invest anything into the music space. They uh, just act as a way to actually, connect you. Spotify has uh-huh. a recording studio. Do they really? Yeah, they do actually. Uh, they have a studio for musicians. They have a live at Spotify, like soundstage where like they can put on concerts and they have a podcast specific recording studio. Do they really? Yeah, they provide people. Uh, I re- what do you mean it was? Um, so, the Dungeons and Daddies podcast did one of their uh, special Patreon bonus uh, mini campaigns, three episodes. Um, but it was called "And Dad, There Were None: A Dadatha Christie Murder Mystery." Okay. Problem was they had three guests on the show to help them record it, and they didn't have enough setup. Like, they didn't have enough equipment to do it at where they usually recorded. And they had gotten the invitation by Spotify of, like, hey, come check out our thing, because you're a creator. And so they used Spotify's recording studio to, like, record their sessions. But they also got a tour of it, and it was kind of like, oh. There's, like, one D like B-tier celebrity recording his thing. And there's a dude eating cereal in the cafeteria. That was about it. Yeah, they. So I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that they that they had like a, a studio or any facilities, which is at least like an effort. Um, but that's usually like one of the things that's sort of you know levied against these platform companies, especially the social media one. Obviously, is that they're not. Um, they their main business is not their main business. Their main business is what they get from their main business. So, and the same goes for like, um, like what I was talking about before, like private equity. Um, this is why they call like private equity companies, like basically supercharged capitalism or like the final, one of the final evolutions because a private equity company is, it, I I mean, they're literally just like, all they are is money companies. Like that's all their, their whole job is just to buy companies with money that they make from buying and selling companies to buy and sell more companies. It's like a, 
it, it's kind of an insane some people call it a shell game it's really just an insane it is essentially just a trade it is bartering on like a massive scale um and uh like you know for them the business you know their business is selling companies and then making money to buy and sell more companies but for instance for like spotify um you know for facebook youtube spotify spotify especially you know their their main uh business is not you know social media getting people connected or videos or music it's data it's how people behave and what they do and they sell that to advertisers and one of in one of the papers i was reading an interesting uh point they made was like around 2011 2012 spotify's uh desktop um interface changed so it went from suggesting you certain songs and certain uh uh like albums and kind of being more focused on the material to starting to recommend you playlists or songs or albums grouped by your mood yep so chill uh are you like angry are you you want to feel like happy whatever it's not grouping (laughs) is that like a thing that's a playlist i have that spotify made for me it's called sad pirate mix Sad pirate mix. So there we go. So I'd be a sad pirate. And they'll have that. What they will do is when you play that playlist, they will then have information based on where was RJ when he played this playlist? When, when was it during the year? What were the things that were going on around him during this time? Like what time did he play it? Did he play it multiple times? Like, when were the multiple times that he played it? Were they during the same part of the year? What was going on? And they collect information. They're using, they don't, I'm not going to say that everyone at Spotify doesn't care about music, but they're using music as a portal to get your mood is what I'm, is what I'm saying. Which is like, it's kind of like, no duh, I guess it's kind of like saying like that candy store is just, it's like they're just selling candy so they can get my money. It's like, oh well, yeah, that's their business. That's what they do. But it's just, it's interesting to... Well, it's like they, it's ulti- like they say about anything you don't have to pay for. If you are not paying for it, you are the product. Yeah, and the, you do pay for Spotify. I mean, people do pay for Spotify. But also, which is the, they can still be the product. The, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And like nowadays... I do not pay like, for Spotify. Fuck you, Spotify. In information, and they say it in that report I'm talking about, and their report is in some areas very disgusting and selfish and short-sighted, but in other areas it is stupidly prescient. Um, And that's one of the other things they say is like, even back in 2005, they were like the most precious resource that you're going to have in the next few decades is going to be information. That's going to be the new... That's the new currency. That's experiencing the information superhighway. Yes, sir. A series of tubes linking the whole world together. But that's one of the reasons why, like, I'm a big proponent of knowing what's in what you consume, whether it's in your food, whether it's in your, you know, your drink, whether it's in your media and your art. And like, I being beamed through the blue lights in your phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the CIA brainwashing uh, rays that they put in every Apple. The seven G. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. That secret 5G, but two times better. Yeah, they lied about it. Wouldn't a 5G that's two times better be 10G? No, that's what they want you to think. You're right. You're right. We all we we're, we believe in free will, James. We understand <laughs> that it's 7G because it's the five plus the two because it's two times better. That's um. This is like advanced math. I didn't take yeah. calculus in high school, so I'm I'm a Don't little, worry, I uh, did. The only reason I got a I got a I got a good grade in calculus because of my final project that had nothing to do with calculus. What was your final project? We had to do a presentation on a mathematician. That's right. Oh my god! The only thing that saved my fucking grade. What was yours? Um, Leonard Euler, and we did a sketch video where Leonard Euler was on trial for being a witch. I think I remember this video. Yes, it was an excellent video. We had multiple endings. Uh, and the class voted on whether he was or was not a witch and if he would or would not burn. Um, but if I hadn't done that presentation, I think I was going to get like a D if I was lucky. Hey. Yeah. I hit my mathematical limit, which is a math term. <laughs> So you did learn something. Not from calculus. That's a stats term. <laughs> Damn. Hey, it's you know, it's okay. I I you know, I can't remember what I was doing, but I, I was thinking about 2012 for some reason. I think it's because I was watching Bob's Burgers, and I was like, oh, when did this episode come out, and then it came out in 2012, and I was like, wow, I was it was like April of 2012, and I was like, oh, wow, shit. I was a freshman. I was a freshman when this came out. That's like. I was so young when these people were like doing this stuff. And then I looked at the date on my computer and I was like, Oh, that was 12 years ago. That's, that's, that's uh, wild. I feel, I feel old. Well, on that note, I think it's time to wrap up so we can go sit in solitude and contemplate our age. Yeah. And the next big problem that we're going to have to make for the next generation. Thank you for joining me as we create the next problem for the next generation. I think robot pirates would be a good one. That's the logical conclusion of AI. That is the logical conclusion of AI. (laughs) I totally agree. Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are sold. We're also on social media. Our Facebook is Better Buddies. Our Twitter is at Better Budcast. Our, you can mail, send emails to us at betterbuddiescast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer or questions you need advice on or story ideas you want to hear us flesh out. We're also on YouTube. Come support our growing YouTube channel. Podcast is now available on YouTube as well as shorts and clips from the shows. We're going through our entire back catalog and finding the funniest moments to share on YouTube for you to enjoy. So go give us a subscription. And last but not least, be a better buddy. But, uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know why he would. Bezos knows the kaiju are coming and he is building his uh, Floridian bunker. The on swamp. the on the shore, though, I don't know. Really, oh, that's, I the, that's, the, that's the brilliance of it, James. Walt Disney didn't take it far enough. Disney drained the swamp to build a a, a water park, Magic Kingdom amusement life. 
uh, Jeff Bezos is going to drain the swamp, dig a big hole, build a bunker, put the swamp back. Uh, he's restoring it. He's he's gonna he's... he's gonna put a concrete box in the middle of the swamp so that he can live in his bunker and live out the apocalypse. But because he's putting it back, putting a swamp back over top of it, it protects and guide, uh, hides it. Oh, that's actually pretty smart. And then if the water level rises, they... because kaiju, who fucking cares? You're already underground. Don't some of the kaiju though, like don't they like go by smell or something? Oh, because they can smell through concrete. It's a fucking I don't know. lizard, I mean, James. 